Namaste. I'm Reverend Wendy Craig Purcell here at the Unity Center in beautiful San Diego. You know, we are always searching for ways to live the example of our teachings in order to improve our world. One of the ways we accomplish this is with Partners Fair Trade Boutique, our store here at the Unity Center campus. You'll find many unique items from around the world, all ethically sourced through fair trade. We have been exploring my classmate's book. His name is Robert Brummett, and his book is Living Originally. Living Originally, 10 Spiritual Practices to Transform Your Life. We began the series last Sunday, and we talked about the first practice, the practice of radical self-awareness. Say that with me. Radical self-awareness awareness. And our homework assignment was to practice bringing our sense of awareness um, into each and every moment that we possibly can, and to do so in a very, very radical way, to, to be aware of how things feel in our body, to keep our minds open and receptive, and to keep bringing ourselves into this moment of awareness. And in the book, he offers 10 spiritual practices. Five of them he calls foundational practices. And those practices are the practice that we learned last week of radical awareness, radical self-awareness. And today we're going to be looking at the practice of deep self-acceptance. Then there's the practice of unlimited forgiveness and um, universal benevolence and compassionate communication. And then Robert also offers five other practices that are more specific to different kinds of situations in our lives. So we're just going to be looking at the core practices. They really are foundational. And I was curious when I first read his book of why the title, why the words living originally. And it wasn't until I understood how he was using that term that it really made sense. Because to me, when I think of living originally, I'm thinking of uniqueness. I'm thinking of something very out of the ordinary. And I thought, well, what does that really have to do with this idea of 10 spiritual practices, five core practices? But the way that he is presenting these ideas is that living originally is about living from the inner sense of ourselves, the origin of ourselves, not our stories, not our self-image, not the things that we have accumulated from our culture or from our parents, that living originally isn't about living differently. It's about living authentically from the very, very deepest part of us, from that part of us that oftentimes is referred to as the silent witness, the observer the one that can, within us, that sees and knows and can observe what the other is, is doing. And so this overarching theme of living originally is really about having a direct experience of our lives, a direct experience of our lives, stripped of the story, stripped of, stripped of the analysis, from the very origins of ourselves. And these practices build upon themselves. And I was thinking about the practice of radical self-awareness, that we can't really move into deep self-acceptance if we are not aware, 
if we are not aware of what it is that we are really experiencing, not how we're interpreting it, but how we're really experiencing it, if we're not aware, then we really can't accept, or we can't accept with authenticity. I shared with you last week that I think one of the challenges that we have to radical self-awareness is our lack of language, our lack of vocabulary to really name what it is that we are experiencing. And until we can kind of expand that vocabulary, and I shared with you, you might want to turn to Brene Brown's newest book, Atlas of the Heart, for some help here. Until we can really expand our vocabulary of our felt experiences, our felt emotions, it becomes more difficult for us to be able to move into these deeper layers and spiritual practices, the very practices that can and do transform our lives. So what do we mean, and what does Bob mean, with this idea of deep self-acceptance? I thought I understood what self-acceptance was, and I imagine that you might have a similar sense of it as I did. That to, have, to accept yourself is to have a pretty healthy self-image, one that is kind of a likable image to ourselves. And to live into and up to that image of ourselves. That image is often borrowed or built upon messages that we just accept. We take them in, oftentimes without ever really deeply pondering them and considering them. The truth of the matter, though, is in a deep spiritual practice, Deep self-acceptance is not tied to our self-image. Not tied to our self-image. When a sense of self-acceptance is tied to the image we have of ourselves, then if there's any falling short of how we're showing up and what the image is, we're going to seek to protect or defend or explain or perfect that image. And all of that is from the outside experience. And what we're really committed to in our unity way of living is an inside-out approach to life. That as we evolve inwardly, then we quite naturally show up in our life in different ways, in better ways, and our life begins to work in a better fashion. So what is deep self-acceptance? Bob says it has nothing to do with any particular self-image. Your deep self-acceptance is not about the image that you have of yourself. He writes, deep self-acceptance is simply the unconditional acceptance of my present moment experience, whatever that experience may be. The self I accept is simply the sense of self I experience each and every moment. This self is not an image, but rather a felt experience. Self is not only a stream of experience, 
but it is also that which is aware of the experience. It's not just the stream of experience, it's that which is aware of the experience. I am an ever-changing stream of experiences, and I am the unchanging witness of that stream. If I were to say I am sad, then who I am is is the experience of sadness, as well as that which is aware of the sadness. The sadness will eventually morph into some other experience, but that which is aware of the sadness does not change. Take that in for a moment. What we're talking about here is the realization that we live and experience our lives. We can live and experience our lives on many different levels. We're aware of that which is happening to us and in us and around us. And we work to cultivate a language, a broader, more nuanced, more full vocabulary for naming whatever that is. We are that which is happening within us and impacting us. But the deeper layer and the layer where we can begin to feel greater peacefulness and clarity and can tap into a greater source of wisdom is that layer of us or that self of us that is aware and witness to that which we are experiencing. That's a powerful place to be. And it's not power over anything external. It's a spiritual power that gives us a sense of freedom to not discount what is going on. That's why he is calling it deep self-acceptance, to accept whatever it is that we're feeling inside. I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling anxious. I'm, I'm afraid. I'm confused. I'm angry. I can name it. I'm aware of it. I can name it. I can accept that that is my felt experience in this moment. And in addition to that, that which can name it can also stand alongside it and is not it. Does that make sense? That's where a sense of, I think, deep spiritual calmness and balance and equanimity come from. He says, deep self-acceptance is simply allowing each experience to be what it is without interfering with it. Oh, that's a mouthful. To be what it is without interfering with it. He writes some really important words about this because if we don't understand what this is really referring to, we can use it as an excuse to do harm to ourselves and to others. He writes, I want to emphasize that I am referring to my internal experiences, not necessarily to my words or actions. At times, it is necessary to control my words and actions. Acceptance of an internal experience does not mean 
acting out these internal feelings in an unconscious or harmful way. I can accept the physical sensations, thoughts, and emotions without acting any of it out. Internally, I allow everything to arise naturally. Externally, I act ethically and responsibly to the best of my ability. I can completely accept an emotion or desire and yet refrain from acting upon it. Deep acceptance means accepting my present internal experience completely and acting ethically and responsibly in the world. Take a breath. So it's not license to do harm. It's not license to act out of a lower nature feeling that we might be experiencing in a moment. It's to accept that that's what's going on, but to also bear witness that that's not all that we are and to still always hold ourselves to the best of our ability to that which is highest ethically and morally. Deep self-acceptance does not mean that I like everything that's happening, right? There's probably a lot that may be happening that internally that's going on for me or for you that you don't like. I mean, let's be honest. Don't we have preferences for how we want to feel? Right. When we grow more and mature more spiritually, they become preferences and not addictions, right? We can prefer to be at peace. It's, I think that's natural for us to prefer the emotions and felt experiences that are pleasant. But there's a difference between preferring and grasping and out of fear, attaching and, and an addictive energy to it. It's the ability to be aware and to accept that which is arising and whatever is arising, to notice it, to accept it without story. And if it's a harmful or a negative kind of feeling, to not act upon it. So it doesn't mean that we, that we like it. It doesn't mean that we like it. Few of us enjoy being uncomfortable or in pain, right? We don't en- enjoy it. And con- conversely, we prefer to be in pleasurable experiences. But there, even that, there's a experiencing the pleasurable with a sense of openness, not from a place of fear that if I don't hold on to that which is pleasurable right now, I might never experience it again. That's not really fully being with the experience of pleasure. How many of you have ever been witness to somebody on a vacation experiencing the entire vacation on the back end of a camera, right? Where, where, and please don't hear me saying there's anything wrong with taking lots of pictures on vacation. That's not what I'm saying. But, but sometimes a person can be in that state. I've got to take all these pictures because I've got to make sure I remember them. But I'm not experiencing them right now because I'm so afraid I'm going to forget them that I've got to put them. Are you with me on that, right? So that's kind of the subtlety of, yes, we have a preference and want to accept the positive that's arising, but we don't 
hold it tightly. We let it be and we enjoy it fully, but not from a place of fear that will never come again. Deep self-acceptance does not mean never taking action or to bring about change. It does not mean never taking action to bring about change, but it does mean that we know what the motivation behind the action is that we're taking and why we're wanting to bring about the change. And oftentimes, and Bob spends quite a bit of time in the book writing about this, that what's about our desire for change is resistance. We want to change it because we're resisting what is. And the moment we're resisting what is, we're not accepting it. And until we can accept it, we can't be on the other side of it. Can't be on the other side of it. With deep acceptance, I see the I that is aware of the resistance And I see that the I that is aware of resistance is itself free of resistance. The I in yourself, not this I, but the sense of I, the I in yourself that is aware of the resistance you feel, the thing you feel like you cannot accept inside of you and around you, the I that is aware of that resistance is the I that is free from it. And the eye that is free from it is the one that is the portal into the greater wisdom of how to respond, of what action to take or no action to take. Sometimes the most powerful thing we can do is nothing, is nothing. I have a ministerial friend and colleague. Her name is Reverend uh, Reverend Sandra Campbell. And we chit-chat every once in a while, especially about the anti-racism work that the Unity Center has been doing for a while. And as ministers, we talk about things that go on in our ministries and some of the, the stuff that can be difficult and challenging. And she was sharing some stuff with me. And she said, you know, my mama, this is Sandra speaking, my mama used to always say, the Lord will fight your battles if you just sit still. That that was her favorite, her mama, who lived to be, I think, uh, over 100 years old, used to say from scripture, the Lord will fight your battles if you just sit still. And you know, in metaphysics, we interpret the word Lord to mean law, spiritual law, not man-made law, but spiritual law. And if you think about it, the law will fight your battles and not fight in a violent way. But the law will work your battles out if you just stay still. I think there's a lot of wisdom, a lot of wisdom to that. So how do we practice this? Well, I think just having the language and working with the five core principles as what they are and the language of them is a good starting point. So you have as part of your language toolkit the simple practice, the simple to say, practice of radical self-awareness. So just calling that to mind as you go about your day to bring radical self-awareness to whatever it is that you are doing, how it's feeling in your body, what you're noticing. And now you have just the words that he offers of deep self-acceptance, but going a little further into that, what might that look like in practice? And I think what it looks like is paying attention to when we feel resistance arising in us. And resistance arising in us often feels like one of two things, aversion 
or craving. Aversion or craving. Aversion is a real strong dislike of something. And a craving is a wanting to hold on and never, ever let it go. Aversion is an active form of resistance. And so we watch and we notice what's going on inside of us. I'm feeling resistant. My buttons just got pushed. What's going on? To try to name it and to accept it. To accept it. But to allow that in us which can see it, name it, and accept it to also be the portal for a higher change. And to notice when we are craving something. It's been said that with craving, the mind looks outward to avoid looking inward. I thought those were powerful words. That with craving or with addiction, the mind is looking outward instead of looking inward. And so all of this is a journey of paying attention to our inner experience. It is to me part and parcel of of Jesus talking about why are you so aware of the speck in your brother's eye that you don't notice the log in your own eye? First remove the log from your own eye, then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I think in part what he was talking about is that when we really get that our journey is to look deeply within, without story, without harsh judgment, with an energy of acceptance and understanding, when we really do that, because for most of us, that's a pretty full-time job. We don't have the energy, we don't have the time, we don't have the desire to be about trying to figure out what's wrong with the other person. Oh yes, we can walk alongside and be helpful and supportive, but that's different than making another person or a project rather than ourselves being our project. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? So in closing, deep self-acceptance is simply allowing each experience to be what it is without interfering with it in any way. Namaste. Namaste.